Welcome to Different Gravy, not just another Sheffield Wednesday podcast. I'm one of the hosts, Richard Miller, and my co-host, socially isolating, but since before it got played out and everyone started doing it, your friend of mine, Dr. Luke Gledall. How are you doing today, Luke? I'm good. I'm good. I kind of identify with that because I think the other week before it kind of really kicked off, it was hideously bad weather here in Calgary. So it was a weekend of bad weather. Then I went to the office on Monday. And then ever since then, I've been working from home. And uh, generally, every time I go outside, I... uh, look at everyone with side eye like they might infect me or i might infect them it is a, it's weird how immediately everyone has become sort of like the enemy it's uh so strange that what it's done to <laughs> done to our minds i was uh yeah I, I i i i too live in a city and uh went for a walk the other day and i was sort of like literally changing sides of the road so as not to uh, bump in with to people and also became very aware like if i could smell someone's perfume or or aftershave i was like i'm probably too close to them if that's the case probably need to like get even more socially distanced than uh, than i currently am doing so uh rich pacino scent of a stranger hoo-ha hoo-ha <laughs> 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 yeah apparently in new zealand they've stopped calling it social distancing and they've started calling it physical distancing because what you don't want to be distant from society really you just need to not be near people i think that's quite nice that's nice i like that i think everyone should sort of adopt that physical distancing not social distancing because it does yeah it's like keep out of society is what social distancing sort of implies yeah so uh not not much in the way of wednesday news particularly this this week uh there was one very important uh occurrence relatively maybe the most important thing to happen in football so uh i'm just gonna put us on an official news footing and breaking hoo-hoos yes luke you've got a you've got a bit of a report to to give us from uh, as i say the most important thing that happened in football this week and that was the fifa ultimate quarantine yes the uh the fifa ultimate team or fifa online tournament organized by somebody at the Leighton orient media team and um i've got a reportage of wednesday's brief dalliance with the Football Quarantine Cup, which uh, they brought on some professional FIFA player who's called Dele FIFA, who's from Sheffield. And in our first game, we were up against Cambridge United. Now, so, you know, this is a bit of a kind of simulation. So some things won't be real, some things won't. So it's unrealistic in that we saw Westwood and Hutchinson play and Forestieri scored. Um, So, you know, not so realistic there, but it was also realistic in that it was a tight affair where we made Cambridge United look like world beaters. Uh, In the build-up, Delhi FIFA irked the Zitty teens on the chat by opting for Windass over Fletcher, saying that Fletcher is too big on this game. Um, Didn't he say something like, you need a more life man or something like that? He he sort of... (laughs) He just he he included Windass with a sort of pithy remark about how you yeah you don't want somebody that's too tall need a more 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 mobile man or something I don't know it was a I, I watched that first game uh, and that was sort of enough professional FIFA playing for me I think but. Uh, <laughs> Um, so, like I said, but yeah, as you picked Windass, so Windass is a swimwear model, was named by the FIFA commentator as a handful for defenders, which made me wonder if they were cupping as wax plums. Uh, Harris uh, sounded one against the woodwork in addition to uh, Windass and Forestieri scoring. And true to Wednesday fashion against Cambridge, the 2-0 lead was too easy on the fans. And Wednesday had to concede a needless goal in the 74th minute. We went through 2-1. Um, I want to say it, it, it did a lot to, as much as I don't like reporting on this because it's I, I don't like spending the time watching this stuff, watching stuff on Twitch. This has been a new thing for me, uh, folks. And, um, but, you know, I feel a little bit like maybe I'm that kind of sad old man who kind of goes down and watches a random Sunday league game of football, you know, usually with some children playing. It has that kind of feel to it. Um, but I, I do want to say there's a lot that kind of, like I've said from this, that kind of matched a real, um, you know, Wednesday fashion. The fact that players, um, 
either don't cross the ball or are really bad at it. Everyone tries to walk it in FIFA. That's that's just how realistic it is as a game. <clears throat> and I also want to say a shout out to the Twitch chat, which was um, very entertaining as it filled with some United Oiks giving it the cyber big one. While one username named uh, Harry Mallard was net with another user, uh, which was named Harry Mallard Likes Men. So... <laughs> All the joy of young men calling each other gay online tread to, led to a true match day build-up experience. So thank you for that. Yeah, I I just want to. So I've been watching a little bit of more of FIFA. I've I recently bought myself a swanky TV which has all the apps. So I've been installing all the apps to the point where my TV said you need to uninstall some apps to have a screensaver. <laughs> <laughs> which is great but anyway i got a twitch app on there so i watched it through my tv and you know i've been watching a few kind of of the great unwashed uh, not that i can really comment because we're all in <laughs> lockdown and we're probably not washing as much as we should um you know on there just uh playing fifa and i the thing i hate about watching professional people or people who are good at fifa play fifa is that nobody crosses the ball because basically if you cross the ball you're not probably you're kind of it's a risk of giving the ball away. Yes. So everybody just basically tries to walk it in or basically pass it around the box until you can fashion chances. And it's it's funny to watch something that is fun and is a good game, you know, and becomes its own thing. But I think the thing that irritates me the most about video games, soccer, computer game, football, however you want to call it, for whichever place in the world you live, is... Every year, it tries to get a little bit truer to the reality of what it yeah. is. It's still an arcade simulation. It's still an arcade game. And, you know, previously on the podcast last week, we gave Football Manager a bit of a kicking. So I think now the next is the next step is that we give FIFA a bit of a kicking as well. And it's just, it's kind of, it's they're fun to play. Maybe it reminded me a little bit of tennis in that it's fun to play. I don't like watching it, you know? <laughs> Take that, Roger Federer. <laughs> Luke is avowedly not a fan. Okay, uh, I, I think you're right. I think um, football games. I, I'm a man who's sort of become more of a FIFA man over time, but I, I have previously been a pro Evo, a devout pro Evo person. But I think by and large, what it boils down to is you end up playing each iterations you're trying to play to the weakness of the AI. And so sometimes that's crossing. Sometimes it's getting to the byline and cutting the ball back. In this FIFA, it's getting your striker one-on-one with the defender, basically, um, so you can turn them. Uh, So, yeah, you don't end up playing the game. It's not like you've got all of the, you know, it's not a chess match where you've got all of the pieces to play with. It's it's sort of an an ever-narrowing corridor where you're rewarded more and more for doing the one thing that the computer's not set up to defend against. <laughs> yes, yes, exactly, <laughs> exactly. And, uh, yeah, so saying that, let's just kind of finalise yes. that. So <laughs> the brief dalliance, so game two, all the pomp and circumstance of a pre-season friendly in Holland as we were drawn up against FC Groningen. Oh. And it makes me want to ask, we must have played Groningen, FC Groningen before in a pre-season friendly. Oh, it's a big call. The big call. Are you going to get the uh, the Googles now on that one, Richie? <laughs> if you want to do that, then I can carry on with my yeah, uh, please. My piffy review of game two. So behind in the 49th minute, Groningen striking around the box and no one touched him before lashing home. Luke felt like he was back watching Wednesday yet again. <laughs> Uh, all of this led to um, the 60th minute. We had two up top, the unlikely pairing of Fletcher and Harris. Fletcher replacing, um, you know, FIFA handful for defenders, swimwear model, Josh Windass. Um, the 76th minute, all this led to our FIFA representative, Tom Deli go all out attacks tactics wise. And the 87th minute, we had the uh, comfort of a offside Fletcher goal and me saying, yep, that was that. And, <laughs> And just like any cup dabbling, our season is over to focus on the league. And then I said, oh, wait. Oh, wait. So I can, I've done my part, Luke. We've played them once in 21st of July, 2007, 1-1 draw uh, away at FC Gunnigan. I'm saying it was away. It could have been anywhere. Could have been, could could have been the south coast of Spain. So there you go. (laughs) So, yeah. So I don't understand FIFA and I don't understand Twitch. But You're an old man yelling at the I'm world. An old man, old man yells at cloud. That's me. <laughs> Maybe I'm yelling at the cloud now that we're oh. all uh, working from home. 
What wow. is this? I don't understand it. <laughs> oh, cloud. Which cloud in particular? Why isn't SharePoint more easily navigatable? Because <laughs> it isn't. It isn't rubbish. Yeah. Anyway, so there we well, go. That, that uh, the covers the FIFA Ultimate Quarantine. That is your news for the week. Um, other than the star publishing a four-part deep dive interview with Ryan Lowe, which I haven't got to because I'm not desperate enough to give the star any money. And um, oh, they did have a quick interview with James O'Connor, which I like because James O'Connor is um, a player that I love and adore very deeply. Ah, oh, what a treat! One, the, certainly pound for pound best clapper. He is in he is in a weight class all his own for <laughs> clapping. That's why he still has the belt, as no one's actually been able to challenge him. <laughs> Retired, undefeated. Exactly. And now he now he's a clappist monk. I think he is. I think he is indeed. Okay. Well, we should get on with the business of the day. We had an idea in terms of a feature. We we thought it would be fun to go through some of our favourite Wednesday memories and, in particular, our favourite goals through the years. I don't know how you feel, Luke, but. I think when I was sort of looking back through the years, um, I, I think goals have been so hard to come by often for Wednesday that <laughs> most of the goals feel quite special. They're true. They, they are. I mean, it's um, I mean, typically, as I'm kind of very aware now, I live in North America. There's a very kind of North American sports have a very goal and point centric mentality which gets a bit ridiculous uh see basketball of which yes. uh, just want to give a shout out to my dad my dad once said you know the game's about who misses not about who scores basically yeah, yeah and, absolutely. um so yeah it should naturally be a kind of big event and i think that's the thing that's kind of wonderful and i think it's great you know we just talk about such great elation when we get a game where we absolutely hump an opponent but unfortunately that's been mainly for the visitors to hillsborough or yes. visitors against wednesday the other team uh this season so it's it's always it's always something to celebrate but it's felt it it's felt even more sparse i think yeah definitely it, also that's not i think that's uh, uh, yeah reflecting back on the on the years i think sparse has been we've had more famine than feast you know in that regard i think um i'm just thinking back to sort of we obviously had the promotion years that got us up which were much more exciting and and had very meaningful goals in them uh but the years following those promotions left us with uh you know pretty thin gruel uh and yeah almost every goal in and of itself being very exciting um and i was thinking like stuart gray time i think we barely scored at home that season for instance so like if you're if you're a fan that only attends home games uh you were you know it was a very rare occurrence to see a goal under under stuart gray even though i enjoyed his tenure as manager by and large and maybe one of my favorite managers of recent years but yes doric struggled for goals and um when you know uh Dave Jones before Stuart, Stuart Gray took over, we were pretty we struggled struggled for goals. So yeah, it's just it's it, this season has been more like our average season than than the last few years have been because they, they they've sort of been um, particularly hearty uh, hauls in terms of goals for us uh, and also good at the other end weirdly um, more clean sheets than uh, you know we saw broken and matched clean sheet records as well uh, not the case this year obviously and not the case uh, last year <laughs> um, but uh, so when we were looking at these. Uh, our favourite goals. We sort of felt that maybe there's enough fodder there for for a couple of episodes. So we're going to look go through your uh, your sort of top ten and honourable mentions today. Indeed, in a feature I've named Luke's Golden Golden. <laughs> Lovely. <laughs> I um, unfortunately I just came up with the idea and the concept just before we get in, so I haven't actually managed to populate the kind of uh, strategic or blueprint plan of how this gold den would look like what's uh, you know do we have any i'm sure there'd be a small fridge and would have a selection of pops um in there that would be delightful and delicious um i'd even have some pops in there rich from before the uh, the drastic uh, sugar tax was implemented Ooh. in the uk back when i can remember having a pop that was fizzy and sugary and didn't have sweeteners in oh well anything in particular um, I like, um, what can I think of so top of my head? Like a fizzy Vimto would be nice. A Tizer. Oh, yeah. yeah. They're always good selections. I like a ginger beer. 
I'm a man who likes a ginger beer. Um, and there's something that was lovely. Uh, Bar's cream soda. Oh, I yeah. remember as a young man getting a cold, a, uh, a cold one. But it was purely of a cream soda, and uh, it just that kind of delicious sugary cold bite is the type of thing that you would expect to say from someone who probably has a sugar addiction. And famously, Luke, you had your uh, your sugar addiction led you to a run in with the cops in Los Angeles a few years ago. It did indeed. Yes. Do you want to tell a story? <laughs> There's not a huge amount to the tale, but Luke was, Luke, Luke was drinking a, a Bundaberg uh, ginger beer out of a paper bag, <laughs> doing a sort of um, hobo impression. <laughs> and the authorities pulled over to take a look, and because I'm kind of white and an immigrant and maybe a little bit kind of playful and silly, it worked out okay for me, and he said, you know what that looks like, right? And I was like, oh... Oh, yes, yes, I do. Yeah. And the fact that it's ginger beer as well, which really annoys me. Like, I do so like tall. ginger beer very much. And I've even had people here don't really understand what ginger beer is. Think, oh, so you mean something that's alcoholic? I'm like, no, no, it's it's soda. It's a pop, whatever you want to call it. I believe one of the cops sardonically said, uh, sounds like something out of Harry Potter. <laughs> it did. It did indeed. That was a good impression. <laughs> Oh dear! <laughs> no, I, I wish I could have gone back, and uh, I maybe would have been pushing it if I'd have like just kind of dim and be like, "Oh, like a butter beer, hey, 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 Achio, piss off!" Yeah, no, I, there's, I thought about some problematic things I could say, but I'm just going to hold off on that one, basically. Um, but alas, luckily. <laughs> Luckily, despite the fact I guess Rich and I probably walked around one or two mildly sketchy places in Los Angeles, we're here to uh, we're here to tell the tale. We have, yeah, we've lived to tell the tale. You have lived in particular to uh, to take us through your goal. Then, okay. So um, first of all, I've come up with a top ten, and I've done honorable mentions. So it's um, difficult to kind of narrow a lot of these things down. But I felt of doing like a trio of honorable mentions, which I'm just going to cover at the top here. Um, in no particular order. Um, the Ross Wallace goal against Arsenal. Um, oh. Brilliant interplay and a lovely clean hit from Wallace. Uh, the best goal of a very classy uh, outclassing of Arsenal Football Club. That was uh, one of the joys of looking through some uh, some recent goals for this uh, this project. Oh, that was such a great night. Uh, sort of the pinnacle of that Carlos season. It weirdly happened so early on. <laughs> but it was such a coming together of the way we played. And in particular, that goal stood out as mm-hmm. all of the good things about what was going on. And, so it was uh, a kind of raking, curving ball down to Pudil on the left wing, just outside yes. the box. And he just uh, served on the plate for Ross Wallace, who met it with a real kind of crisp, crisp finish. It was a great cutback, wasn't it? He could have gone for the cross. Joao was in position mm-hmm. for the cross, mm-hmm. but he cut it back. And then Wallace just bravely kind of got on the end of it. So absolute peach of a goal. And, was that? Am I right in thinking that was Holland's last game for us? It could well have been. That's, that's maybe his last game in professional uh, football. That's a that's a Richie stat right there. I should probably check it <clears throat> out. But, but he shared the uh, the wing with Pudil, and uh, they were quite a formidable pairing. I mean, uh, the pace on the break was really how we. Uh, managed. That really does kind of call back to um, to a time of um, you know when Pudil was actually like an incredible left back for us and really got forward and was you know he was something else and then i think he's essentially do we have one season or two seasons of pudil being good oh definitely at least two i think yeah things are getting ropey towards the end of that uh next season but essentially oh, oh, no. so, kind of, so yeah, sorry went into the the element and the time of his legs going basically and then yeah. he couldn't really do that job anymore and then we saw him as this kind of makeshift center back before we uh got shut of him yes sorry rich yeah, just looking at this, um, so Helan actually played the whole of that season and, and actually played fairly often, it looks like. More often than I remember him playing. It, that's, so that's the 15-16 season. And then 16-17, he played just the once against Cambridge, a, a losing effort uh, against Cambridge in the EFL Cup. And that was it for for Jezza. For Mukhtar. Mukhtar, indeed. Mm. I he was a, he was a bit of a divisive figure. Was Jeremy Helland, but 
I I liked what he brought to us, and in a time when we had so little pace, it, he had terrifying pace at times. Mm-hmm. Uh, he didn't always have full control of the football when he was running with it, but uh, certainly could get from A to B uh, about as quickly as you'd, you'd like a, a player to be able to do. <laughs> Very much so, yes. So, yeah, so that was honourable mention number one. Honourable mention number two, um, I've gone for Mikel Antonio, last-minute winner against Carlisle at home in the promotion season. Um, I feel bad for putting this one in because I actually had family visiting me from um, Cumbria who were Carlisle fans and um because my mum's family is from cumbria so basically my um my my cousin ian and then his nephew kind of came over and then we met up before the game and it was nice i tried to take him unfortunately to a place that was gonna get a meal before the game and then i stupidly took them to uh <laughs> took them to the weatherspoons in hillsborough which was not a good oh, idea no. anyway so I, I felt bad that i kind of let them down on a few bits but we hung out and it was nice and you know i kind of sent them a text afterwards and i felt really bad about it and you know they kind of said and unfortunately in retrospect i kind of have to look back and agree was like <laughs> you know we needed that one you guys could have uh you know you guys could do this next season basically because that was really they were in a similar position they were kind of pushing outside the top six at that time yeah but anyway the goal itself was absolutely fantastic i just the fact that he just kind of got that in that position in the box and just killed it in lovely into the corner um and i remember everybody just going absolutely apeshit just absolute bananas over that one me and you me and you in our place on the north stand just just losing it it was possibly one of my my favorite last minute winners not one that's kind of come up as well um i remember luke varney against watford oh yes Um, yeah that was a fun one that was against uh was it malky mckay remember him oh yes i do i do remember Remember, like sounds like a comic book named scottish manager malky (laughs) mckay Before uh, Watford had faceless, nameless European people as their managers, just a, an endless. Exactly, yeah. It was, um, and also they that day the game against Watford they had uh, cleverly on loan, didn't they? I think he scored right. a free against us. Yes, yeah. Before um, he went to be a well-paid extra at Manchester United. <laughs> um, but anyway, that Antonio goal was pretty, pretty fantastic. And I think a lot of these are really going to sum up kind of, I, I think there's something I want to kind of put into my criteria for one of my favorite goals is that I, if it's attached to a memory or an experience, I think it just makes it all the more worthwhile. And a yeah. lot of these that I get on here will be of that kind of nature. And some of these do have like the better goals, but anyway, that was a particularly, particularly fantastic goal in a fantastic, fantastic moment. It was one of those games as well where it felt like it kind of got away from us in a way. It, it, we'd had so many chances in that game, not finished any of them. And then, yeah, but almost by the time you had given up hope, then Antonio managed to score. I think that's what made the uh, the elation even you know even more overwhelming was that in your heart of hearts you're all you'd almost sort of settled this one away as this you know just not our day it, it had gone into that bracket in my mind i think exactly yes sort, uh and I, I think that's our, also that's also a, a magic kind of experience to basically say um i think what i've always hoped and especially hope with kind of wednesday kind of not near the end of this particularly terrible season <laughs> uh, to the bad runs is you go with the hope of being surprised you feel like you know what's going to happen yes. but you hope for a pleasant surprise i mean you can get the bad surprises as well when you think oh this is a this some game is sometimes a formality we're going to win this one comfortably and then the opposite happens um but you live in the hope of that kind of rare surprise of something unexpectedly good happening i'd say and so that probably kind of falls into that bracket right i think we'd yeah like you said we'd all consigned ourselves to say this is done this is a was the 95th minute when antonio scored (laughs) yeah that's a real (laughs) there's barely any left on the game i mean you know if you're looking like a fuel gauge in a car that's like that's seriously in the red i think it's even going past you know oh well there you go that was yeah that is a a memory attached to a goal about as good as it gets i think for me but go on Mm -hmm. Uh, so you've got a 
A third honourable mention. Third honourable mention. Um, this is maybe one of my... I think this is probably one I'd say where I don't particularly have a... Maybe one of the ones that I don't have a real kind of strong memory of. So it's actually mm-hmm. one that I kind of... As like you, I was looking back, you know, I was doing a lot of... The thing I enjoyed about doing this so much and compiling this is just absolutely just drinking in some of the best experiences and the memories and the best goals that kind of came up and kind of it, doing and putting this compile this list together and i hope this episode just feels like it's going to be a real um a real incredibly positive experience for me um so this was one which i kind of really almost forgotten about actually so it was the kieran lee third goal against leeds in the 3-0 victory so this was the one which we were at home this was basically famously the carlos calvajal 20 pound notes um i will pay this money you know i'll pay money for Bru- you oh I'll, I'll pay. I'll pay my money to you to play your football. I think that's what he said to the players. <laughs> so this was the kind of reaction. I think it was the reaction from basically us being crushed at home by the pigs for two. Yeah. So I think it was beginning of October. And yeah, I remember that day. I remember that game. We just we played some absolutely phenomenal stuff. So wasn't um, Thomas's message that that like basically even though it was scrunched up and a bit battered. It was still, it's still £20. Still, it's still £20 note, exactly. Yeah. 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 And that Kieran Lee got, I mean, there's some, not, you know, some, I think generally just an experience that game was just, it was an incredibly dominant, excellent performance against Leeds, which just makes it all the more delightful and delicious. But that Kieran Lee goal is just such a beautiful half volley. And yeah. I said that it's so smooth that you'd think it was uh, by Santana featuring Rob Thomas. <laughs> And his half volley was crisper than Carlos's £20 note as well. <laughs> so I can't remember how it, it kind of came in and it kind of seemed like a loose ball and a half volley. But it's just one of those hits where you just you can't quite believe the tra- trajectory of the ball. And um, I don't know, I need to go back and kind of watch this one again because it's, uh, like I said, it wasn't one that was strong in my memory. So when it kind of came up again, it's it, it felt like it was one that needed to be captured. And also just to kind of... Um, just to kind of do a bit of Freddy foreshadowing, just a mild spoiler, it's the only kind of appearance of Kieran Lee. So I think kind of during this kind of era and the eras of which we've watched Wednesday, I think this is, um, it's nice to have a little kind of doff our cap and raise our glass to uh, Kieran Lee. Oh, he certainly deserves it. Yeah, so it's it's one of those where it was kind of they we'd had an attack that up the right that kind of fizzled out, and they then immediately went into paying us so little respect. Immediately went into playing it around the back, and he just he just read where a pass was going and and just smashed it first time. It's a it's a beautiful goal. Um, I think that was weirdly like I think Leeds really relied on Pontius Janssen at that time and he wasn't playing and it, they just went to pieces. It was that or Cooper. I think I just remember one of their main centre backs being there and I think a lot of our we we just benefited from the fact that they just didn't have that that leader to stride out from the back who I think normally was such a big presence for them and more never more so than that third goal which was which was uh, yeah an absolute peach from uh, Kieran Lee the boy from Oldham. And coming into so coming into the top ten, so positions Ooh. six through ten, um, Rich and I kind of decided on this mentality of basically saying that you know we we would have like a little bit of coverage and then really go deep, really go deep on the top five. So um, just to kind of segue to what you said previously, actually the man who you said could get from A to B incredibly quickly, Jeremy Hoan, and it was his goal against Charlton. So maybe another last minute kind of one we can kind of look at here. I think it was mm. was the two one victory we had against Charlton. Or maybe it was 2-0. It was the one actually where, I think it was just before Christmas, I'd come back from Canada for the first time. Um, I'd been to Toronto and had fun, but spent a lot of money and came back, came a little bit back, a little bit licking my wounds before I moved to Calgary in January of 2013. And, and things have been so fantastic. I've been here for just over seven years now. And um, mm-hmm. but basically, I was back and I was hanging out with you. Um, I guess it was that kind of, it was after the promotion season. It was, I don't know if it was, it still Dave Jones at the time or was it someone else who was managing at that point? Um, I can't remember how much we saw of Dave Jones as a manager at Sheffield Wednesday. My kind of memory kind of blurs in that respect. Well, you see, I've got, my feeling was he sort of got a bit longer than he maybe should have. But, uh, yeah. But I think he was gone. That was sort of, dis, what time, sort of time in the year did you say it was? December sort of time. 
It was just before Christmas, yeah. Just before Christmas. He was dismissed on the 1st of December 2013. So who was the who was the manager at that point? Well, I don't think it was even... Um, it was a time before Bullen started kind of stepping in. You know, this constant uh, reappearance of Bullen, like Groundhog Day, you know, like Punks are Tawny Phil every time he uh, <laughs> was a manager. And, um, I don't know, Ab- Abaddonian Lee kind of pops up, pops well, his head out of the hole and uh, does his... Does his caretaker stint? I th- see. I think Stuart Gray just went straight in as caretaker because right then the conversation was yes, he, it was he a, had a giant long conversation. Start, when um, is Stuart Gray going to be appointed manager? Including that dismantling of Leeds, uh, the the six nil game at Hillsborough. Yes, yes. Uh, oh and I think God. that was maybe his last game as as caretaker manager, Stuart Gray. That would that would steer us through uh, <laughs> where we're. Uh, I said, oh, my God, just do a little bit of kind of spoilery just to Please, say that, yeah. that hasn't actually come up in my list at all. And that and that was weird that I was looking at all these, you know, Wednesday highlight videos and that 6-0 dismantling of Leeds wasn't kind of prominent in my searches. That's weird. It's interesting. Yeah, um, I, I, I'm, I'm still, uh, you know, I'm just still deciding which I've got many tough, tough choices ahead of me before uh, next week's episode. So I'm still deciding which uh, which goals are going to make it in or not. But there was a couple of good goals in that game. Kieran Lee scored a very good goal um, in that game as well. And Lavery scored two late on, which was a real a real treat. Uh, sadly, Lavery never really went on to have the career that we all hoped he would after that tremendous yes. uh, introduction. But he looked incredible in that game. His two goals were really fantastic. Uh, but yeah, sadly, never that ne- that wasn't the norm for uh, for Mister Lavery. A uh, few too many average average games for him. So yeah, so um, that would have been Gray would have been in charge at that time because that that's when he took over first of December two thousand and thirteen until. Uh, uh, the summer of of uh, at the end of the fourteen fifteen season. When Carlos well, that was, was um, no, this was twenty twelve though. It was the end of twenty twelve. Oh, it was just twenty twelve. Yes, I think oh. it was Dave Jones. I think we did have Dave Jones <laughs> for the majority of season, I believe. Anyway, while you're looking at that, Rich, maybe I'll just carry on and just kind of talk about this goal. So you know, it looked like we were really going to do some last minute kind of time wasting in the corner. Um, he sprints with the ball, knocks it. The thing that was absolutely incredible was he knocked it one way past the Charlton defender. He knocked it to the Charlton defender's left and ran around the outside of the right to collect the ball. That's right. He's that quick, ladies and gentlemen. Yes. Uh, took yeah. it down. And then just at the tightest of angles, he had the audacity to just rifle it in. And it was probably that moment of just not expecting anything and just being absolutely power raised by Jeremy Hwan. It was sublime and incredible as a goal. And I was there with you and it's uh I I just remember just kind of laughing shocked in a shocked manner. It, yes. It was something else that goal. So that's that's one that I think just kind of creeps in the top ten. Lovely stuff. Yeah. It was a, it was an absolute belter. Uh, I still lament Hilan in a way. I still kind of still miss him, weirdly. <laughs> Mukhtar. Um, kind of roughly coming in, not in kind of any great order. I'm going to say number nine. I'm going to say uh, Tommy Spurs scored an FA Cup goal against Fulham. And um, he kind of collected it probably about 30 yards out and then basically hit it with his left foot, which kind of derved, which kind of uh, swerved into the corner. And that was pretty fantastic. I had a great memory of that of my friend Joe, who I went to the game with, just turned to me and said, Gledor, did you see that? Uh, which which just adds to it's just I think kind of a nice memory of a great goal you know um, I think a lot of people funny enough will talk about the goal against Plymouth um, which was really just it was an incredibly fun speculative hopeful hit from him and that's the one where he kind of chested it down yeah, and then just followed it from kind of 40 yards um, but he you know just the fact from the pre from the Plymouth goal the fact that he ran off with a look on his face like who would have expected me to do that <laughs> I think did basically did you see Tommy Spurs do that? he actually did talk about himself in the third person I think I'm, I'm led to believe for that one. But I, I think I preferred that goal against Fulham. That was one. So, again, you know, tied to the memory. But when he, when he did, there were, there were belters, every one of them. Or, or like, weirdly important. He did, yeah, he didn't score. I know, I know. It's, it's quite... 
it's quite interesting though. Sometimes when you look back at those players who don't score often, but when they do, it's uh, it's pretty phenomenal. It's a um, so that takes me to numbers eight and seven. Okay. Which this one. It's basically it's um, I'm putting them together because they're both goals by Adam Reach. Oh, nice. So this is a difficult one. So basically, as we've kind of gone with this mentality. I have put the provision that basically these are goals that you've had to have seen live. You oh, don't have okay. to. Um, obviously, for my situation, being an expat and kind of watching through the internet, you know, I, I'm not seeing it with my eyes in the flesh, IRL, as the kids might say. Okay, um, okay. But the ones that, so here's a funny story. One of the got the reach goals I haven't put in, which people would put in. So technically, Rich and I didn't see the uh, the goal against Aston Villa. <laughs> So, uh, Rich and I were walking to Legends, the bar between, the, you know, beneath the Empire State Building to watch with the New York Owls. So, uh, shout out to uh, Paddy from the New York Owls and the amazing Wednesday Lights inside the pond. Uh, shout out to all the people at Owls Americas and the excellent Owls Americas. We love you all, my continental mm. Wednesday brethren. Um, so, anyway, Rich and I were on the way there, and I think we got there about five minutes in. So, Rich turns to me and says, oh, we've scored, because he's got yeah. a flash score. Rich had the flash score. Update. So I think we were kind of walking around. Um, we were walking around New York. So unfortunately, I think we were right by the the Empire State Building actually when when we heard about Reed scoring. So yeah, we quickened our our pace somewhat. I seem to remember we were kind of semi near the Flatiron Building. But I guess that's oh, not maybe. So okay. Yeah. I don't know. A lot of New York feels quite dense. We were in New York. <laughs> that's all that can be said at this point. <laughs> I look down oh, at my phone, and I bump into a guy. He's like, hey, I'm walking here. <laughs> so this was, what was this difficult? Okay, but so number eight, I'm going for that phenomenal dipping volley against Leeds, mm. um, which, again, yes. was against Leeds, so has a particularly... Uh, um, particularly fantastic piquancy as you say yes and also just uh, added to that i love the fact that he's just kind of at the end of it he just does a mini kind of twill uh yes. for, the, for the audience <laughs> so that was you know again it's difficult to pick it's difficult to pick a, your favorite out of the adam reach goals so i've gone for that one at number eight number seven i went for the one against west brom which was just an absolute bullet from his foot do you remember that one, Rich? Yeah, yeah. W- weren't they back to back? They were, yes. Because we, uh, <laughs> I don't know if it was against, was it Leeds or was it against West Brom? I don't know if the comments are saying he's having a goal of the season competition with himself. <laughs> I think that was uh, maybe Rob O'Neill who was coming out with that one. But uh, the, yeah, I, I difficult think maybe to be. My, yeah. I, I mean, I've I also think... kind of looked over the Forest one, the one against Forest. Oh, yeah. Which was just... Is that with his swinger, that one? That was with his right foot, wasn't it? It was with his right foot, yeah. And it was just one of those that looks like it's continually rising. So they're always ones that are particularly great. Again, maybe a guy that doesn't score quite as often as maybe he should or could, but... Oh, when he does, it's always and always, it's nearly always an absolute treat. But that was really interesting because I, I remember uh, those two goals coming sort of back to back. So the the Leeds one was volleyed, the uh, the West Brom one was was along the floor, but they're almost exactly from the same spot. And I remember um, Henri talking about when they moved Arsenal moved stadiums. He like he had little spots where he knew. You know, but based on like I don't know where where like the channels through the crowd were and things like that, or where certain advertising hoardings were, like he knew where to aim his shots to kind of curl things in and things like that. So he had he had spots on the pitch that he just had his angles down from, and it just felt like that with Reach, just for that that sort of period of time. It was like clearly he this this spot he knows exactly where he's aiming for to get it in. Like he's probably aiming for one of the poles in the, in the pillars in the cup or the uh, um, the actually the away end wasn't it he scored so he's probably yeah probably just aiming for like oh if i aim for like this perfect spot it tends to go curl into the top corner and uh absolutely nailed it two games running ah good old adam reach yeah and so coming into my six 
this is one which I've had to kind of really put, I tried to not say these are any great order, and then I tried to kind of give a rough order. The reason why is because this goal had to kind of miss out, and I'm kind of slightly heartbroken that it is. You're almost up, Luke. <laughs> hopefully you can feel the emotion kind of tearing in my voice, as well as my throat. That's probably a bit thick from the fried egg sandwich I just ate before the podcast. <laughs> Lovely. Oh. <clears throat> Should have a glass of water, really. Anyway. Um, it is Chris O'Grady, Cogba himself, against oh. Sheffield United at home. Yes. Um, a pivotal moment, you know, beautiful pinpoint cross, lovely cross from Adam Buxton, and the barrel-chested Cogba nodding home. Um, and so many memories from that as well. You know, the fact that I still think that if I would get, like, a custom phone case, I think in my mind the image I would get would be Samido on his knees. Right. Yeah. It's, and probably just the, you know... And then you, you have the kind of slightly bird, Chris O'Grady, kind of running away as well. And, you know, it was Gary Megson's last presence. It was his Wednesdayites as well. And yeah, oh, I was... it's difficult to kind of look back. I, I understand there's a big, I you know, I, I probably like a lot of listeners. I go on Al's talk and there's the joking cult of Megson. The cult of Megson. <laughs> There's <laughs> a username, I think it's Simonak Al, who uh, often is a card-carrying member of the, the Stonecutters-like crew, Cult of Megson. And I know it's divisive, but I think there's a, still a lot of good memories can be had from having, you know, Gary Megson manager and what he gave to us as Wednesdayites, even if it was... Sometimes a bit difficult to watch. Sometimes that that end period was pretty bad. You know, failing to muster to beat Chesterfield was difficult. Um, but to have that in that pace of the season was something incredible. It was a yeah, that was a huge memory. I mean, the the draw the sort of comeback at Bramall Lane earlier that season had been. I think that was a pivotal moment as well. And none of the goals were particularly good, but we had an identity about the way we pl- played. You know, you knew what. Mexican's Wednesday team stood for you knew what we were trying to do in games and I think everyone was able to rally behind that partly because of Mexican's personality um but he gave us a lot of pride back it was a really important period for the club and the fact it ended on that game I mean who who beats their city and promotional rivals and then gets sacked it's such an odd Mm. you're right I mean the games before that I think we'd gone five games without a win or something like that which is not promotion form Mm. Um, and we've got absolutely thumped in one of those games so if we hadn't beaten United I think people would have understood the change of manager but the fact that we'd beaten United sort of felt like okay well maybe we're kind of we're back now um and it just felt then so strange to 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 have uh, have Mason lose his especially job, especially with that kind of rival mentality. The baiting. I never really heard. The funny thing is, I never heard the United fans ch- chime or chart, you know, uh, chirp on about the whole mind the gap kind of thing, mm. and then getting to use that against them because they were what three games clear, seven points in hand. As they said, the game they could afford to lose. Yes, and and then to have the uh, have the finale that they couldn't afford to lose. That they, <laughs> sorry, you know. Yeah, it was such a huge momentum swing, wasn't it? That game that was, that was so pivotal. Yeah, amazing. Well, it's a, it's a shame it has to miss out. It was a, it was a good, a very fine goal and so important. But you know, this is we're in tough territory. These are the best, the best of our lifetimes. So uh, there's there's going to be tough choices all the way along. So do we are we treading foot now in the top five, Luke? I think so. The rarefied air. <laughs> Where are we in the in the gold den at this point? The boudoir. Uh, we're doing. Uh, sorry, we're in the boudoir. boudoir. Yes, it's uh, the evening we... has gone well. I've wined and dined you into the bedroom. I'm imagining a mixture of um, both a beaded doorway and also some silk scarves around the uh, around the uh, the enclave. Am I right? That's right. There's both. It doesn't make Belt any sense. Races. But there's both. It's what you're known for, Luke. It's what you're known for. Okay, so coming into my top five goals and uh, Luke's golden golden and at number five it's it's kind of funny I included a goal because it feels like such a wet puddle wet puddle on that time frame <laughs> but it's such a special hit and it's a real two-touch wonder from one hit wonder Marco Mateus against Leeds 
Oh, yes. The thing I like, I think should be appreciated, rewinding on this one, is the fact that the build-up is actually really good as well. I think that's something that's kind of missed. And, um, you know, we, we, there's kind of a lot of build-up. We're kind of stroking around the back to kind of make some play. It comes back to Palmer in, in our half, and he, pl- he plays this really sweet... Uh, through ball, curving through ball that okay. Matthias really times his run perfectly. And I think that's something that kind of is forgotten about. It's forgotten about, yeah. The build-up to this goal is kind of forgotten about because of everything that he does. And his invention to think in that situation, having a player on him, making a deft flick over him, and I think that was his right foot, wasn't it? The, the, the flick was with the right foot and then the finish was with the left. Exactly, yeah. So to kind of do that, and I think that was actually Jake Cooper, the Leeds centre-back. Yes. Um, again, another delicious goal against Leeds. How many could we pick? <laughs> a lot of great goals against Leeds. Um, anyway, I'm not going to go on to that. Anyway, but, well, again, uh, that was another one of those moments, a bit like how we talked about uh, Kalen uh, Lavery or Lavery. Um, the, the, the moment, um, the goal is wonderful in and of itself. You're right, it's a great pass from uh, Palmer. It's... Matthias has thought about it. He has a look where the defender is and and does all the rest on purpose. It's spectacular. And also, as a Wednesday fan, you're like, what have we signed? Have we just signed, like, this this guy is going to be sold for £50 million. He's unbelievable. Um, Obviously, that didn't happen. But at that moment, it felt like, oh, my goodness, we've got this guy that's, like, rapid and can score incredible goals uh it just Just, felt so exciting like the quick wittedness and the invention in that moment is just something else like you think we'd sign some football brain genius like it's like some giant kind of computer football brain yeah i mean you couldn't you people could barely pull that off in fifa or pro evolution soccer it's not something that's real really so to make that death flick over jake cooper and to just swivel and turn in a second and you know hit a volley with his left in such a perfect way and the fact that it's the filthiest languid and lazy goal and it just kisses (laughs) it kisses the crossbar on the way in like a big bold smacker perfection mr mateus you can do your goal was a chef's kiss even more delicious than your portuguese egg custards the thing that really breaks my heart is that the thing that still pisses me off to this day, it's heartbreaking that this didn't win the game because it deserved to win yeah, the game. Yeah. And Leeds came back and scored, you know, an equalizer. Dirty, yes. dirty Leeds. But at least for that second, we actually, you know, had to really s- smash it up them. And Marco Matthias, um, the brief, fleet footed Portuguese flash in the pan winger. Um, <laughs> That was his. That was his gift to us during his time. Apart from maybe his Portuguese egg custards, which I had and were very delicious. <laughs> Excellent. Oh, I also it? really enjoyed as well. Like it's just great to watch those goals and just have them celebrate. Not like they're winding the fans up, but near the end of the pitch where the yeah, Leeds fans yeah, are. Yeah, yeah. And you get to just see the background of the, uh, you know, the slightly kind of depressed, um, despondent Leeds fans in the crowd just sitting there like someone's really pissed on their chips <laughs> yes uh, <laughs> it, it does add a, it's another it's another little extra flavor to the mix it's a bit of umami on top of an already delicious delicious meal <laughs> served up by Matai. ah oh, yeah yeah such hope such a beautiful goal um, yeah, football. You know, football doesn't do uh, do perfection too often. So that it should have won the game. It should have been the last thing that happened in the game almost. Uh, but it was early doors, and uh, it went on to be a bit of a disappointing draw. But uh, what a moment! What a treat! So, and that brings us to number four. And I've gone with Adi Nuyu against Preston North End at home. Oh. Um, I just love this goal so much. It feels weird to include it. It's very difficult to bring to the equation. Is it the fag end of a massively disappointing season? And it, like I said, it was this tale of journeyman cult cart horse Kosov and Snooky at the New U, who emerged from the ashes for a new contract with some incredible performances and a sweet partnership with uh, Lucas uh, J. Wow Jow. And 
at the end of the game where you thought it was just a corner routine to keep the ball in the corner, you know, suddenly out of nowhere, Nuyu just gets possessed. It's it's like he's had a funny turn and finds a part of his brain that believes he's the next Lionel Messi, and he does the absolute unthinkable. To pick it up, sprint, deftly knock it past one defender, and then from a crazy angle, sweetly curve it into the corner is just absolutely phenomenal. And when you go back and watch it again, you can see this unreal surge of energy and belief. And I, I think this is something that we can look back on and take that should inspire everyone. This is the feeling we need to get us through the coronavirus. The belief <laughs> and swagger. It is Bowie's heroes summed up in a goal. <laughs> Lovely. Oh, I love that, Luke. Oh, it's such a beautiful effort. I mean, I I love Atinuyu. I'm so I, I know he's a, a a deeply deeply divisive figure. Um, but I think we've got such tremendous value out of him through the years for a free transfer. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, at times he's been he's been the only thing to come away happy from a game. Uh, you know about, um, and that period was was a real treat that yeah as you talked about new and, and joao sort of combining to to grab all sorts of goals <laughs> towards the end of the season uh under under yos and that it's like the in in a weird way it's completely bizarre and he, he should never score it but in another way it's like the quintessential atty new goal because he does an atty twice to them <laughs> When I talk about Atty out of Atty, it's that thing he does where like four people stand around him because they think he's going to stand still and be immobile. And he somehow like drop, <coughs> sorry, drops a shoulder and rolls all of them in one movement. And he did it twice because he did the sec- he did uh, Johnson, uh, which gave him the, the, the freedom to pick the shot out. And the finish is gorgeous, curled into that top corner. Ah, oh, I love that goal so much. As you say, it doesn't count for anything really in the face of things. And it's fun that it's a combination. When you look at your favourite goals, it's a combination of these things that are filled with huge amounts of emotion and importance. And then also goals that just were really nice. And those last two were just gorgeous goals. Um, worthy of any I, team at any level. I love how you've brought up the fact that he added, he straight added them. You know, <laughs> like it's like, I think we really have to kind of think about that and bring it into did we call him the Kosovan Kaiser Sose before I think we did we in did. a previous episode but it feels like the payoff from a giant hustle you know yes. he has hustled yeah. them it's <laughs> like he's really to kind of maybe quote an episode of Fresh that most people probably don't remember it's where he breaks out Lucille <laughs> does anybody get do you get that does anybody get that shall I explain yeah. the joke all best jokes should be explained shouldn't please they please do explain for and us. Uh, basically there's an episode of Fresh Prince of Belair where uh, Will uh, gets into trouble playing pool against some guys who kind of hustle him for a lot of money and Uncle Phil comes down and basically you think Uncle Phil's going to be crap but then Uncle Phil breaks out Lucille which is a special <laughs> named uh, pool cue and gives these gives these hustlers a lesson, gives these shackers a lesson. <laughs> so very much uh, at the Kosovan Snooky breaks out Lucille. Possibly, I I want to call it the name of the episode, but it kind of implies spoilers. So I let's not do that. But anyway, in a different world, <laughs> I'm going to talk about Kosovan Snooky breaking out the Lucille in the future. Lovely. So number three, number three, it's uh, Marcus Tudgay at Sheffield United. Oh. Uh, this one was just exceptionally special. Um, a goal to Mark doing a double over United, which has only been achieved once ever. I remember seeing it, the beam back at Hillsborough. And so I actually watched it on one of the smallest screens ever. <laughs> I feel like it, it kind of felt like a stadium version of you have a massive TV and then you have to use a small one for a bit. And it just <laughs> seems so small. And the, the thing was probably about 15 feet across. But it looked diddy from the south stand. <laughs> there must have been some people thinking. I think, I'm sure the people who put this on did a fantastic job. I know they did a fantastic job. But I'm sure there was probably some strange thinking about what's the angle to get everybody who sat on the lower end of the south stand to watch this what is the best angle that people can watch this TV. I'd like to think that they got the TV there. And people, there was just someone who, like, there was just one person working at the club who would go and, like, run to, like, one end of the south stand and be like, yep, yeah, I can see it. 
<laughs> and then they would go and run back to the other one and be like, yep, yeah, still good here. And they would keep doing that in numerous positions. And I really hope they did that because that was fantastic. Anyway, so as with 9,000 odd Wednesdayites, it just made an incredibly surreal experience. So, and I remember it being a really crisp and beautiful sunny February day. And you could just feel that collective energy of nerves and excitement. Yeah. And it made everything around the goal seem so incredibly surreal. And looking back alongside everything that goes to the finish, I just love the fact that it feels further from the goal in memory. But watching it back, I I just love the way it rises continuously on the way in the top corner. It's like a torpedo going underwater. And you know that people say it's stranger than fiction. It it feels like something you can't animate or replicate. Like, I wouldn't believe if they did one of those Gareth Bell for Spurs against Inter Milan drawing goals. Do you remember yeah. that? Yes. It's one of those goals where it just feels like a magical hit. It, yeah. You know, the other day I was looking back, I think when I was looking back through YouTube, there was... Someone said, I think, when was it? It was December, maybe 2009 or something like this. It was a goal of the month competition. And it basically said, this is the best goal of the month competition there has ever been. And <laughs> it had the Michael Essien goal. Oh, yes. The one, it just, when he kind of hits it, there's something slightly surreal off about it. Yeah. yeah. It feels like it's something from Uncanny Valley, really. It's almost like, um, to, to borrow an analogy from another sport, um, people in combat sports talk about quite often a knockout blow feels so dramatically different to a, to a standard punch in that there's resistance to a standard punch, but quite often a knockout blow because the person hasn't see it, seen it coming. It's just like you're punching nothing. It, it's such a smooth action that you go through. And it's almost like the footballing equivalent of that is goals like that Tudgay one is that you're all actually, you're all always trying to hit the ball like that it's just so rare that all of the physics combine perfectly to let you hit the ball at that at that angle that pace as you say that continuing rise because Paddy Kenny a very good goalkeeper does everything he can but he can't get near it um and that goal also one of the real treats when you when you watch it back on the on the highlights is there is a United fan stood behind the goal about to do the big arm uh you missed gesture and uh he crumples in a heap as it hits the top corner it's gorgeous (laughs) it's so good (laughs) The Schadenfreude, um, all aimed at that man, is uh, is is just beautiful, tantalising. <laughs> and as you say, such a special, you know, doing the double over United that hadn't been done for so long. Um, and Tudgay, a guy that got didn't get that. He was kind of a 10, 12 goal a season striker sort of guy. Ah. Uh, oh. So, so, so kind of out of his, um, his wheelhouse to score such a, a thunderous strike like that. So what a treat, treat all round. Uh, top two we're into now, Luke. Top two. Okay. Wow. So I, I wonder, these lists are very personal. So yeah. there's a lot of, I, I'm glad that I could do this and put a stamp of my personality of what I've looked over alongside probably some goals i think everyone's going to look at um this one feels like it's probably going to come out of left field but it's one that has an incredibly special memory for me and i think it might do for you rich um so it's david prutton away at Oldham. oh yes so it reminds me of such a special time in wednesday memory um and to get a little bit homoerotic it's a big part in mine and your wednesday relationship yes (laughs) (laughs) especially being part of the promotion season but going to Walden away and just having a really convincing and sweet victory topped with a goal as special as Prutton's was just something else. I, I think there's something hugely enjoyable about seeing such a character like Prutton, who's a slightly lovable and articulate rogue, and is someone who I think possesses a, like, a fair whack of talent, but is something that's not on the display quite often, come out of a wonderful goal, like New You, I'd say. Just makes all the yes. more magic. Um, I had to watch it back, and I felt my memory that was more composed, and it felt the time he crafted the opportunity to finish, assuming out of nowhere. Um, but it, it looks strange to kind of look back, and when you see that on YouTube, it's it's quite different. Um, yeah. But still, it's when I watch it back, it's something I could just keep watching and keep watching and keep watching again. Um, like, it's a goal that felt my memory. Like, he had, like, a huge economy of space. Like I've said here, like he pickpocketed Felix's bag of magic tricks. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and I, I remember the seconds of the ball hanging in the air felt like an eternity. And but looking back at it, it's much quicker and it has this autumn kind yes. of rule for that. 
So I'll just kind of replay the goal. Please um, do. Commented. Brutton picks up an bouncing kind of loose ball from O'Grady. I don't know if it's quite a pass. It's kind of quite a strange ball. Mm-hmm. So he does this kind of graceful karate kick to del- delicately knock it over the old defender, then runs on, half volleys, controls it up in the air, and then swivels with it to slot past the keeper. To then have him run over to the crowd and announce himself to be some grubby League One saviour while the fans went ballistic. <laughs> I, I think there's something so magical about following a football club, and I tested the fact that it can feel a bit like we're all weirdly under a strange umbrella in a yes. real-world kind of reality TV kind of situation. It's it's a bit kind of Big Brother-esque, Big Brother-esque. Like, you know, I, I do this to... I, I We do this podcast for a lot of reasons, but I think some of the thing that kind of really pays off is those feelings of kind of connection with people who you probably yes. think that you don't really have much in common with. Yeah, yeah. And you know have those moments where you feel part of something and that connection to your fellow fan is it's like a drug that you can't replicate and i remember the noise and the thrill and just being hugged by some lovely random guy in front of us (laughs) just turning around it was just an absolute blissful memory and i'm uh i'm crying already it's uh it was something else and I just, uh, I've weirdly, that's one of those games that I remember all sorts of bits of it. Because I, I, you, you came across on the bus and I, I drove there and uh, I remember I remember coming across to meet you. I also remember I weirdly got interviewed by, there was some like fan TV channel. I don't think it ever really took off, but they, they, would, they would hand out these little yellow tokens to people and you could go on and see videos of, of fans outside grounds. Um, so I got, I got interviewed for that uh after the game as well but yeah i don't know it's just funny all all sorts of bits of that game stick in my memory uh and it was a a joy to experience together that goal as you say i think that that sort of it looked on first viewing it looked kind of flukish and then when you watch it back it's he's planned it all out and it's it gets better with repeat viewing that one it's uh yeah oh yeah uh brilliant what a treat what a treat to remember that one which brings us into numero uno it's numero. The, uh, it's uh number one top of the pops and uh ladies and gentlemen so i podcast in my bedroom here on the sunny beaches of calgary alberta canada <laughs> and on the wall above my desk where i usually broadcast and and now annoyingly where i work from <laughs> are two are two pictures that i've got framed so one is a cartoon of my beloved hillsborough um i think it's done by the people at goo design and uh it's, it's very nice and the other one is a sensible soccer-like recreation of his goal, and it's the Chris Waddle free kick against Sheffield United yeah. in the 1993 FA Cup semi-final. I think I have to put it to number one. I actually watched this at the old Sheffield Star offices with my dad, who uh, he worked for the Star at the time. And I don't think I could really put my finger on what happened then. You know, it's just one of those kind of hazy memories from when yeah. you have as a child. But it felt like some dream and a memory of it is, you know, still like that. I, I still can't recall exactly how he bends in the free kick against Alan Kelly, but it just floats like some insane baseball pitch into the net. And it's funny that for a long time, actually, I thought it was, and it's it's really funny that I have this kind of sensible soccer recreation of this goal because... It, it kind of almost felt a long time like this would be a goal that you could you would do often in sensible soccer. And I actually thought for a long time, like a really weird way, that he actually curls it the other way. That it actually goes flat, then curls to the left from the right of the goal. Right, yes, yeah. And it's not. It, it isn't. And it actually, you know, it's... it's uh, but it doesn't kind of feel like your classic kind of ing-swinging curler. No. And it's, it's <clears throat> just... Uh, yeah, it's so it's so special for that reason. And I think in the fact that reviewing it, like going back and watching it, it's the fact that Waddle just steps up out of nowhere for the free kick and runs up to it without a care in the world. And it shows that kind of flow state that he's in. And it Absolutely. just feels like something he can do all day. It's like a well-rehearsed sleight of hand that's just become second nature. And I'd say, you know, sleight of hand because hey, he's the man that the Marseille fans called Magic Chris. And it makes sense that it was away with by... the fans. <laughs> <laughs> oh, anyway, so it makes sense scored by the man who the Marseille fans named Magic Chris, everyone's favorite ex sausage factory worker who had the <laughs> swagger and who had the swagger and talent to put Ryan Giggs on his ass. Twice. Um, twice. <laughs> 
to do that in a huge game means it is and will be one of the highlights of Wednesday's history for as long as this football club shall live. And finally, when I get older, I understood why it's worth him getting a massive erection over it. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to mention the war boner. It's definitely... <laughs> Oh. It's, it's it's a highlight on top of a highlight, isn't it? It's a hat on a hat, but it's a treat to the whole. <laughs> it's a hat on a hat. <laughs> it's it's brilliant. I love that free kick. It's probably you know full disclosure. It's probably going to feature very highly for myself. Um, I might be tempted to not make it my number one team. <laughs> it's yours, but he's so far out. I think because um, it would have been Kelly. I think was their goalie. Was Alan is that right? Kelly Alan Kelly had a. Had a um, um, he was a very very good goalkeeper. So yeah. Which is but it, I just I think he, kind of say. I think before it went over the one man wall, he just probably doesn't <laughs> think it's going to be a shot, and then it's so fast. It's because it's the sort of one that favours the goalie, as you say. It kind of curls. It doesn't curl across the front of him. It's so straight, really. It's got a, It does have a bend in it, but it doesn't come across his face and go in the top corner. It's it's a very strict, limited curl that it has to it. But it's just so quick. I just don't think he's got any time. It's too late once it goes. Once he sees it going in, it's too late. It's incredible. It's such a such a great goal, and obviously so important. Doing it on the biggest stage is the hardest thing of all, and that was you know it, it doesn't get much bigger in terms of club football. Uh, unbelievable, tremendous. Thank you. Anything so that Paul, anything that Paul Gascoigne can do. Yes, as the commentator said as well, which is. Just a, it's a, another little bit of icing, just on it's just such a beautiful cake. Um, I, I'm holding myself a bit of a hostage to fortune, but wherever I can find decent quality clips of the goals, I will drop them in the show notes. Uh, I, I'm immediately regretting saying that because that will be a bit of a pain to do, but I think it will it will add to the enjoyment of the episode no end if you can uh, revel in watching the goals as uh, as Luke so wonderfully takes us through them. Thanks so much. What a treat. <laughs> I hope people have enjoyed that. And um, if you've got your own sort of hidden gems or suggestions, do feel free to to shout them out to us on social media. Um, mm. Maybe maybe we'll we'll do a bit of a wrap up if uh, if if there's some 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 that we've missed. We might do a bit of a wrap up and a review of those as well. But um, yeah, I think that's that's probably probably it for this week. And thank you so much again, Luke, for uh, for taking us through into your goal den. I feel very relaxed. I, I, I'm not wanting to suggest you've slipped slip something in my drink, but um, <laughs> I'm feeling quite sleepy now. I'm gonna yeah, I'm gonna bid you adieu and wish you wish you a, a, a pleasant week going forward. And uh, we'll talk again. Sounds good, Rich. Till next time. Yeah. <laughs>